Fellas, fellas, I'm in a great mood. Y'all are in a great mood. Sons of Saturday is back a little early, earlier than last week because we can't handle the Pacific Standard Time. But before we get started, Pat Finn is hot and ready with a quote he has been dying to read to you all. Pat, I'm just going to let you take us into this podcast here. Go ahead, Pat. Okay. Well, uh, first of all, the boys are back. The Hokies are back for now, at least. But uh, kind of like a summer, a summary of the game yesterday, I want to read a text from my buddy Adam Bronze, uh, a friend of the podcast. And uh, he sent it to a group of us after the game about Tech in Miami. He says, The dichotomy of the turnover chain and the lunch pail is amazing. One is flashy, expensive, and worship, and the other one is old, dirty, and always left alone. One of them had five turnovers, and the other one had zero. I love us, and I love us so much more than the Miami Hurricanes. So that's, uh, that's my buddy Adam Bronze, and it really summed up today. It was a, a beautiful, poetic uh, quote from him. But yeah, what? a freaking day what a game i think on the on the fun scale this was the most fun that i've had since athens i mean i was just sitting on my couch by myself well let's do this let's talk about where we're watching the game for me i was sitting right on my couch over yonder about uh three paces from where i'm sitting right now um had myself a nice little six pack of sweet water um uh you know have no idea what's going to happen as we said in the podcast before and just thoroughly enjoyed watching around 30, probably 38 minutes of football. It was unbelievable. Um, Grayson, where were you? Oh, so it was interesting. I actually, I started, uh, I watched the game in a couple of places. I started at the Virginia Tech bar, Jocks or Dailies in Culver City, and watched the first half there with, uh, with my buddy Eric Avasar, and he runs the Culver City Hokie alumni chapter and we I mean all that was going on in the first half having 21 points in the first quarter I was like what the heck is going on uh was crazy loved it but I did tell a buddy of mine that I would pull up to his pool party down in Hermosa Beach so so LA of you (laughs) it's so LA I uh I left at halftime and I'm I'm very superstitious so I was like if I leave when we're just boat racing Miami, what's going to happen? Sure enough, I get there in the middle of the third quarter. They're starting uh, starting to come back a little bit, but uh, I basically watched I watched the game at a bar on my phone in the back of a Uber, and then at a pool party. So a lot going on. <laughs> Here we go. Well, um, yeah, I I knew three thirty kick. I'd want to do some errands do some adult things before the game had uh, an appointment at the Apple store at 1245 to Ooh. fix my Apple watch. Cause it had some issues with updating. And uh, before I know it, I've, I've, I was waiting at this Apple store for almost two and a half hours. That's how it um, always goes. It was terrible, terrible, terrible. Don't but, tell me uh, that. Don't tell me that. Right. I like, I like, I like I'm going today. So, <laughs> Oh man. Grayson broke his phone this weekend. Um, So, anywho, um, I'm driving in the car. First quarter, I throw on uh, Mike Burnup and John Laser. get to listen to the IMG uh, Sports Radio edition of uh, the Hokies here, which was great. Um, They're going nuts. (laughs) I'm just like, how the heck is this happening? But I end up watching at some buddy's house. Um, 
in South Arlington off Columbia Pike, and we were absolutely going crazy this entire game. A lot of good mojo, a lot of superstition, a lot of good energy. Um, shout out to the Veach boys. A lot of fun. But, uh, yeah, what a time. What a day. Got to say, also, and we'll get into this a little bit later, but Hokey Twitter was was at an all was an all timer the other day. So, Grayson, <laughs> sorry you missed out. You missed out on a lot of peak Virginia Tech Twitter yesterday. So, oh, I saw it. I, I, I saw it. I, 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 you know, as soon as my phone broke mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> after I dropped it um, <laughs> into a pool. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I borrowed my buddy's laptop and was able to see the rest of uh, of Hokey Twitter, but it was it was out of peak, man. Shelton Moss, shout out Shelton Moss. Those videos, dude. Like Dalton King just owned you. I was in tears. Like I just can't handle that, man. Like, it was awesome, <laughs> unbelievable. Let's <laughs> let's talk about the game here. Um, first and foremost, pregame, no big play. Trey Gray. How did you feel about that? I mean, we we were like, it, he didn't even make the he didn't even make the trip. He was live tweeting the game, um, and you know, folks may have forgotten. Um, Grayson, obviously, new Twitter name is an ode to Big Play Trey. Um, Great was not playing, and yeah. first quarter. I mean, I don't want to say. The, obviously, the play calling was very different, but it was the same type of like, ah, ten yards here, five yards here, six yards here, but we don't turn the ball over. I think that was really what it came down to, is uh, from a success standpoint. Pat, what did you what did you notice coming out and um, early into the game that stuck out to you? Well, yeah, first of all, um, the LPD was back. Uh, you got guys like Shamari Connor, Caleb Farley, Jermaine Waller, Alan Tisdale. Uh, the def- the entire defensive line, these guys are just flying around the field the entire first quarter, uh, forcing fumbles, picking off passes in the end zone. It was awesome. Um, but on top of that, you know, first first thoughts, I mean, we're getting great field position on all of these drives, and we have a quarterback. We officially have a quarterback. We were running some great plays um, using jet sweeps the right way. I even saw a fake jet sweep. Um, using our tight ends very efficiently and really capitalizing off turnovers. I think every point we scored in the first half was off a turnover. And, uh, you know, Hooker just knew how to do it. I know I said on the last podcast, a Justin Fuente team is at his best when the quarterback play is solid. And he didn't turn the ball over. He was making great decisions. And, uh, I mean, those are my immediate thoughts. Grayson, what do you got? Honestly, the play calling it it emulated the 2016 team. Um, I, I was very just I, I I really didn't think that they were going to kind of let Hendon Hooker open up and just run with it and, and just completely put the ball all over the place. I mean that little that little wheel route that they kept doing with Dalton Keene. It's like, that's the thing we used to do with Sam Rogers all the time that worked every single time. It was like almost indefensible. Um, I was, as, as soon as we got that first interception, Jermaine Waller, the sideline went crazy. Like that, like there was energy there. I swear. It's like every single one of the players listened to our podcast and was like, dang, they got a point. I don't want to, you know, 
boost our ego that much because that probably didn't happen. But it was uh, it was great, man. And and something that was so interesting. It was like Pat, you were asking in the last podcast, like wh- where are the tight ends? Where's mm-hmm. Dalton Keene? Where's James Mitchell? Why aren't why aren't we utilizing these talented players? It was all about the tight ends yesterday. I mean that that is what made our offense move yesterday was the tight ends. Mitchell Keene had great games. Keene what three touchdowns, and then we had a great push on the offensive line in the on the defensive side of the ball. The first quarter was great. The second quarter was great. The second half was. I'm glad we got that that cushion of all you know 28 points because. We did kind of let it slip in the in the second half. Uh, I was worried that uh, that Miami was going to catch up. They ended up catching up, and, and then it really became a ball game. I was like, man, if we blow this, it's going to be worse than Arkansas blowing the belt bowl. But uh, <laughs> all in all, man, I cannot complain. Yesterday, we looked like a completely different team. Hand and hooker. <laughs> Crazy. Like, I hope he starts every game for the rest of the season. I got to say, another thing, you mentioned the tight ends. Eight catches, 148 yards, three touchdowns. Unbelievable performance from the tight ends, 100%. And something that, again, we spoke on the last podcast was, um, and well, I didn't mention it in the podcast, was the jet motion that everybody was getting so frustrated with. You saw a lot less yesterday, and I think the reason we ran it so much was because the teams weren't honoring our running quarterbacks. Um, and we talked about how I think it was 1.7 or 2.7 yards per carry we were averaging with the quarterback, and it just was it was a non-factor. Um, yesterday, Hendon averaged almost five yards per carry um, running the ball, and the difference too is it's not like he's hitting these holes that are just gigantic. He's making one or two guys miss. There were three or four situations where he would pull it, and you know you got a defensive lineman in the backfield or an unblocked linebacker, and he's making that first guy miss almost every single time. Um, and that brought in just an entire new dynamic to our offense and an entire new kind of wrinkle that every that they had to worry about the entire game. Um, so as the game goes on, I mean, and again, I I don't know if you guys noticed this, but this was one of the hardest hitting games we've played in a very long time. This was an extremely physical football game. Tisdale had the, uh, had the huge hit that uh, got reversed from targeting. You had uh, Jalen Griffin had a, had blew up a back on a screen and the (laughs) next play had a sack. These guys were just, they were playing together and they were swarming to the ball. Go ahead, Pat. Yeah. I was going to say that Jalen Griffin uh, hit was crazy. Meanwhile, I'm screaming at the TV that, you know, he, he went to crush this guy, and I was like, "Dude, you could have totally picked off that pass if you were looking at the ball." Um, but nonetheless, I mean, he was all over the field along with uh, the rest of the D line and the linebackers. Grayson, something that we talked about too was just the togetherness and the energy of the football team. And there was a uh, a moment in the game where I was like, "Okay." we've definitely turned a corner and it was when we punted to Miami. Um, Miami has all the momentum. And um, I think Javon Quillen was like messing with the punt returner. And then the punt returner came back at Quillen and I'm telling like nine, like eight or nine Hokies one ran all the way down the field to cover the punt. And then immediately it's just like everybody together and in his face. And I don't know, it was just a picture of a, a microcosm that we've been looking for and kind of missing. And um, I just wanted to get your thoughts on how the team played together with energy and just, just love for one another. 
I think it was great, man. I think out, out of any game this season, leaps and bounds above the rest as far as energy is concerned. Sideline was popping, towels in the air. It's literally the stuff, literally the stuff that I was talking about in the last podcast. Now, granted, I, I think it would, you talk about that moment, and that was great. That was so cool. Another thing that we talked about was like, just kind of playing with a bark and a bite and just playing playing to win. And when I saw that, a moment I saw that was with Shamari Connor, And it was after he had broken up a pass and he still kind of like held on to the, to the Miami receiver and then like went face helmet to helmet with him and just kind of was like, I'm going to be on you all game. And, and the sideline, he was standing right next to the Virginia Tech sideline and all the other players were like, oh, damn. Like, oh, crap, like, Jamari's fired up. And that fired them up. And, like, you could see that. And I think Fuente, who is so normally stoic on the sidelines, which pisses a lot of Hokies off, never really bothered me that much because I just think that's the type of person he is. But he was fired up yesterday. It was awesome. Like, every little thing. He, w- I-, I loved it. And I would much rather him be fired up. It doesn't irritate me when he's not but it, it just shows that when your coach is fired up the team is fired up and like yesterday we were level 100 energy i don't know i don't know what happened in the team meeting this past week i have no idea what went on behind closed doors but it's like we like a gear was just, or like a switch was just flipped on mm-hmm. and i hope I hope that it carries for the rest of the season because we've come off hot wins like this before and lost to not as great opponents uh, the following week. And we play Rhode Island next week, and it's like, no, our foot is on the gas now. Let's keep it going. Don't let this fizzle out. Don't get cocky. 100%. Yeah. And we we glossed over the the Hen and Hooker thing. I just want to throw some more – some more things in there um for those who don't know hendon hooker had the second highest qbr in col- in all of college football yesterday for this week um he was bookended by jake somebody from oregon state and ian book who uh pat we have seen toss around the rock ian book good quarterback but the name of the game here is just not turning the ball over he was he was very smart with the ball, and I'll tell you, this guy was getting crushed. He's got, some of the uh, throws that he delivered, um, he would get crushed at the end of. He's getting up um, and throwing the ball away in situations where we may have turned the ball over before. I remember there was one where we ha- uh, had run a screen that just wasn't there. Miami was freaking out because they wanted a, a intentional grounding, but he the back's right there. But he was just making smart decisions, and you could tell he was um, very cognizant of uh, the situations that we were being put in uh, and made the most of those situations. Um, Pat, what did you see out of the quarterback position? Yeah, he made so many smart plays. Um, you know, you talk about that one on the screenplay where he just threw it at King's feet instead of, you know, risk uh, turning it over. Threw a couple out of bounds that were awesome. And then any type of uh, play that might have been an incomplete pass to our receivers, he was making sure that our guy would be the only guy who could lay a hand on the ball. Um, I'm thinking that that one um, that one play, I think it was late in the third or late in the fourth, where he had Patterson wide open and he delivered a gift to him. And 
uh, Phil Patterson had to drop there. But, you know, thankfully, um, the following drive, I'm pretty sure, was the one where he delivered in the clutch moments. He had that amazing pass to Hazleton that the announcers were gawking over, thankfully, because, uh, you know, they were definitely gawking over Miami the rest of the uh, the other 59 minutes of the game. And we can we can talk about that a little later. But um, he was great. And uh, in the running game, I mean, he was very elusive, um, avoided some sacks. Like he would, he would be dropping back in the pocket. Someone would come after him. He'd roll to the right, and instead of you know getting sacked, like um, you know maybe an, an, a less athletic quarterback might get, he is going for five, six, seven yards, sliding forward, and you know keeping drives going, which is awesome. So being able to make those plays with his feet really gave us a new dynamic. Um, running, you know, a similar, the same offense, but actually, you know, being respected as a running threat. So, you know, it really opens up more options, gives the offense a uh, another leg. And then I know, Bill, uh, you'll love touching on the tight ends, but yeah, they were they were outstanding. They were um, there when you needed them, catching every ball. And uh, I mean, Dalton Keene, hats off to that guy. So then when the game kind of, when the game took a little bit of a turn, um, there were two huge non no calls or scenarios that kind of helped Miami back into the game and look the officiating as a whole in my opinion was 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 pretty brutal on both sides but at the end of the first half before the Hail Mary Miami hits a guy over the middle and then they line up to spike the ball when they line up to spike the ball either Jalen Griffin or somebody trips the official and the official blows the play dead but if that play had continued Nikosi Perry actually spiked the ball into an offensive lineman's foot which would have caused a penalty, which would have caused a 10-second runoff. But, as we all know, doesn't happen. They blow the play dead, and then they end up throwing a Hail Mary, catching the ball. And both announcers go absolutely crazy, as if they're working for Miami Radio. Please, can you guys tell me what <laughs> just... We were talking about how you know you can't get mad to Kirk and all this other stuff, but that was what, maybe one of the most unprofessional Homer uh, calls I've ever seen. Pat, what did you see? I mean, explain that to me. <laughs> these dudes were in the booth. Uh, I, th- I saw someone on Twitter saying that these guys knew everything about every Miami player, um, you know, up to their shoe size and their address. Um, they, it was a complete Homer broadcast. Uh, Dustin Dankovich. I don't know how to say his last name. I, it's not Who in front cares? of me. And, uh, Mark, yeah. Mark Jones, uh, the Dustin guy or Dusty, he threw a hissy fit on Twitter after the game, and also a hissy fit. Also unprofessional, like that is wildly unprofessional in in a journalistic sense. Like, lady guys, I studied multimedia journalism at Virginia Tech, so I mean, like, I'm a real expert on this on this type of stuff. Um, I mean, they, they show the they show the high five, and it's like you the the producers at ESPN could definitely not have shown the high five. And I mean, like, I get it. I get it. Like the, the, the Hail Mary, yay, big play. That's good for the game. But it was very apparent. You could see by the way they just looked at each other that it was like, oh man, <laughs> we're back in it now. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> they got money on this game. I swear. Yeah. Like, that's what it looks like. And you can't do that. I mean, I would... It would be so hard for me, like, if I were in the booth calling a game and if Virginia Tech was playing Miami, I couldn't do it. I could never call a Tech game. 
because I would lean to Virginia Tech so much. And if you know that you can't do it, then don't sign up for that game. Like, you know, don't 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 agree to do the game. Yeah. I don't know. And I know I know we're going pretty deep into this, but um, you know, the the Twitter rampage that Dusty is going on, you know, calling Virginia Tech fans immature and moronic. Moronic was the word he used. Um, go back, listen to yourself, and tell me you were not biased and you were not 50-50. I mean, it was it was so bad. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't complain about announcers that much. I think, um, I think usually um, they do a solid job of you know, trying to cater to both teams. But probably the worst I've ever seen in an ACC uh, regular season game. And super, super, super unprofessional, immature, childish of that guy to go after our fans on Twitter thinking he was the one who's the victim. And go ahead and listen to your film, man. I mean, come on. But I digress. Getting into the digress. second getting into the second half, we had uh, another time when the when they freaked out on our players was the Hewitt roughing the passer call, which was obviously in a huge a huge situ- a huge situation in the game. And I, I mean go around the room here. To me it wasn't a roughing the passer call. He didn't hit him in his head. He grabbed him by his his collar, his collar, his um, I don't know whatever it's called, by his neck, below his neck, uh, and threw him down. I mean, obviously, got to be careful there. But did you guys think that was, I mean, a penalty in that situation of the game? I think it was pretty petty. Um, in that situation, it was like it might have been third and la- I think it was third and nineteen. Ladler picks off the pass, takes it down to the, the three yard line. Um, I don't think it was the smartest play by Hewitt, obviously. Um, but I don't think it was, it warranted a flag. I mean, um, he grabbed, I don't even think the quarterback went down. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he just kind of, you know, was thrown back a little bit, but I, it was funny because they showed Bud on camera right after, uh, they announced what the penalty was for and Bud was livid you could read his lips and it was it was you know we love bud it was just it was kind of funny to um see that but yeah at the time it was not funny grayson did you see it unfortunately that was i had just gotten to my friend's place Mm -hmm. uh right as that happened and i didn't see it but i knew it happened because a twitter was freaking out um and then b my little brother had texted me and he said, oh my gosh, like, can you believe that crap? And uh, I'm thinking, I mean, oh gosh, what did we do? Did we turn the ball over? And he's like, "Uh, if Hewitt didn't do that, like, oh my gosh, you know, that's the ball game right there. I'm like, all right, Hampton, chill out. Like, (laughs) uh, but but I I didn't see it. So I guess I'm going to have to go back and watch what happened to be able to, to be able to, I guess, fairly comment on this. So that's that's all I really have to say is that I didn't I didn't see it as it happened. 
Well, Dusty, Rusty, or Krusty had a crazy, crazy reaction to when this happened. I mean, he he watches the replay and he's like, "Oh my God, you just can't do that!" And then they pan over to uh, to Coach Foster and he's like, "Coach Foster, I'm sorry. I know you're emotional, and everything, but that is a hundred percent a penalty." I mean, it, it was just another example of 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 the homerfication of the of the broadcast. Did you catch that, Pat? When he was just he's like ripping Hewitt on a on a broadcast. It's like you're a senior. You're wearing twenty five. You can't be doing that. It's like, dude, we got to talk about how that's how that's a soft penalty. And also, I know we're we're, we're going in on these announcers, but um, there was another play where uh, Miami had the ball, and it's third and one, and one of them says, "Well, it looks like they're gonna go for it here," and then the other guy's like, "Well, yeah, it's only third down. I would hope they go for it on third and one." It's like, dude. <laughs> Read the room, my guy. <laughs> another, Brutal. Another thing that I hashtag hated, and another <laughs> microcosm of uh, the lunch pail, and uh, just the difference between the lunch pail and the uh, turnover chain, is this dude Jimmy Murphy, walk on for Miami, uh, short little white fullback, um, dude. On the opening day game, he does a backflip after he scores a touchdown. I'm like, dude, you know what? Like, I. Like, at first, I was like, this guy's a complete loser. Like, good for him. Walk on, scoring a touchdown, whatever, whatever. And then he gets, like, a first He gets like a first down, down three scores. And he does one of these, like, point, point forward thing and then runs off the field. Everybody's going crazy. The announcers are going crazy. And it's just like, dude, give me Sam Rogers over Jimmy Murphy 10 times out of 10. I mean, come on. Like, what are we, what are we doing here? What are we doing? So that drove, that drove me crazy. Another thing I hashtag hated. Not sure if either of you caught that as well. Um... But then we go into the uh, second half. Oscar Bradburn, by the way, shout out, unbelievable punt, uh, punting throughout the entire game. But the two point conversion. Oh. What? I was, I was, I was shocked that they went that they went for two. Um, Grayson, did you catch the two point conversion? Um, I did catch the two point conversion, and I mean I, I, that's that's a gutsy play call. But at that point, man, it's like you got to take the points, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, you definitely got to take the points. And by that point, like there was so much going on around me that I, you know, I'm, I'm glued to this TV and I'm not really paying attention, but, um, uh, to what is going on around me. Um, I should clarify. <laughs> so like I'm, I'm locked into this game, but there's all this extraneous noise behind me. And I'm like, I don't really know what's happening right now. Like, I don't know. I I don't know why they would go for two there. And I don't know. I don't even know what the heck I'm trying to say right now. Um, but yeah, it didn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but Pat, you've been, you said that you actually liked the call. Can we, why do you, why do you like the call in that situation? And it ended up bailing them out because they missed the uh, extra point on the next uh, yeah. on the next touchdown. But why did you, why would you have, why is Coach Pat dialing up the two point conversion there? <laughs> I liked the call because I think it was a huge momentum thing. I mean they they were down at that point they were down seven points or sorry they were they were down eight points. Two point for conversion puts them in six points and. Uh, you know, touchdown and an extra point wins the game. The momentum was working. They were scoring on every single drive of that uh, fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. And I think it was a huge momentum thing. I think, um, like, I, I 
I had a great feeling that they were going to score on that two point conversion. Um, but also, I mean, if you're coming down from a 28 zero, um, you know, first half route, you got to just go for it. I mean, mm-hmm. you got to take advantage of any opportunity to get more points on the board. Um, and yeah, I mean, like if they don't get it the first time, they still have the second time to make up for it. Um, so yeah, I, I admired the call. I thought it was gutsy, but, um, yeah, I mean, that guy Dallas, DJ Dallas had a great run, uh, sprint to the pylon with Mm -hmm. the dive. Um, Farley looked like Farley kind of bit on a fake, uh, but he had the inside covered and, uh, Dallas just beat him there. But how, how about missing that extra point? That was crazy too. And also, you know, it was huge was the unsportsmanlike conduct yep. uh, excessive celebration or whatever penalty that put us on, uh, you know, had them kick from the 20, 25, whatever, and uh, Keyshawn King takes it up past the 40 and sets us up for the game-winning drive. I mean, that was huge, and I'm sure those Miami guys might be running some extra laps on Monday. So the last three and a half minutes, so Miami scores, gets the penalty, misses the extra point. The rain screwed up a whole bunch of stuff. The rain, you know... You had the, the Phil Patterson drop. You had the Miami uh, missed extra point. And then we, like you said, start uh, with the ball on the 37-yard line. And then, in my opinion, the play of the game, Hendon Hooker to uh, to Hazleton over Bandy for 29 yards. It lo- it literally looked like something they were running in practice. Like, it, look- it looked like Hazleton it just dropped right in there. He scoots out of bounds. He's fired mm-hmm. up. We're fired up. Um, uh, just unbelievable calmness out of uh, Hooker in that situation. And then we have first and 10 on the 34, and we get into third and five. And we're right on the cusp of field goal range. I think we may be right inside of it. And we run quite possibly my favorite play in Virginia Tech history. It is the <laughs> Scott Leffler special. It is yep. the you take the snap, you roll out right, tight end does, Love a, little, this. does a little blockage, does a little blockage, and uh, almost reminiscent of Ryan Malik sneaks on out of there. Yep. Nobody covers him. He's wide open, and Keene runs it all the way down to the two-yard line. I mean, what were you guys thinking? Immediately when I saw it, and I saw him rolling out right, I, I looked at the left side of the field. I was like, lefty special, lefty special, lefty special. And, um, oh, man, that play was that was an awesome call in that situation. Can you guys just walk walk me through that? Go ahead, Pat. That, that one is so awesome. Lefty special refers to the uh, right-before-halftime Ohio State game in 2015 at Lane. Michael Brewer might – I think it's play action. I'm not sure, but rolls out to his right. Um, Ryan Malik pretends to block a little bit and then shoots left, and he's just wide open in the end zone, and Brewer finds him. Um, but, yeah, I was going nuts. Keen picked up some great yardage. Keen made an awesome catch. Yes. He kind of – That ball was of, not – That ball was, was almost over his head. Yeah, that ball was not thrown great. Keen made an unreal catch. Nice catch and run. Picks up the first town. Gets um, you know down at the two or three, and that was when we're just like, all right, we are winning this game. Let's just be careful now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I thought it was uh, I thought it was a brilliant play call, and that's that's the type of play that you call in that situation. Not to not to pick on anybody, but I don't think Ryan Willis makes that play. No, no offense. I don't think he makes that play. I think if he's in, they run something completely different. 
maybe a busted draw play or something like that. But for for Hendon Hooker to come in there and make that play, granted the ball was a little above Keane's head, so credit to Keane for making a catch. Brilliant. I think- gets the field wide open, gives Keane a chance to run straight down to the end zone, almost gets there, almost gets there. He got bodied oh, right yeah. before he got there. I mean, he got his crap lit up. Yeah, he got when, when he got down there, he really got smacked. But Dalton Keene, tough SOB, yes, tough sir. as they come. Um, and really at that point, I was almost worried because there was still a decent – how much time was on the clock there? Like a minute and 45? That was, a, that was what I was – that's what I was getting to is, uh, is obviously, you know, armchair coaching here. Um, and before we move on, I was just gonna say, Grayson, I think you're, I think you're 100 right. I don't know if that's the play call that you get with Willis in, and I think that's again the difference that Hendon Hooker brings you is the ability to, you know, he's rolling out left, linebackers are flowing. You get the same, you get the action that you wanted to get out of the jet motion from just the quarterback rolling out to the right, three steps. So it was awesome. Um, but then, what do you guys do? You have the ball on the left hash. It's raining a little bit. Um, are you guys centering the ball and waiting it out? Or, I mean, obviously we scored on the first play real quick. Maybe, you know, you didn't expect that. Maybe you're just trying to, you know, kill clock. But, um, what is your, how would you have handled that, uh, situation there? Um, we were yelling at each other at my buddy's house, um, because of the disagreement of what we should have done there. Um, you got like a minute 30 left, maybe a minute 15, whatever it was. We gave Miami way too much time. And mm-hmm. I think in hindsight, I think um, Coach Corn and Coach Fu are probably regretting the fact that, I mean, Miami had one timeout. We could have just taken the knee, taken a knee twice, killed a ton of clock. And Brian Johnson just needs to hit an extra point, essentially. Um, yeah, I... I mean, in hindsight, I disagree. At the time, I was fired up. We scored a touchdown. But then you got to look back and say, well, we have been Swiss cheese this fourth quarter, um, you know, giving them so many opportunities to score and knew that it was going to be a, uh, a rough upcoming one minute Miami getting the ball back. So, yeah, in hindsight, I, I'd like to see us, you know, just center, center it for Brian Johnson to just hit an extra point And, you know, we win as time expires. There you go. And then, so as you said, Miami takes the ball over down seven with a minute and three left on the 25 with one timeout. And this is something, this was the other officiating kind of weird thing that, you know, maybe I have wrong, but I'd love to see if you guys noticed this was they had a huge play over the middle with 42 seconds left to this, uh, to Wiggins. And he got mm-hmm. smashed and uh, he tries to get up and then immediately is that collapsed. Ashby? Ashby snatched him. I think Ashby snatched him. He got hit by two guys. He did like a you know a acrobatic fall in the air. It was unbelievable, and he gets hurt. And you know he was actually hurt, no doubt about it. But the rule is, from what I understand, is inside of a minute, if you have an injury, you lose that timeout. And he got hurt. They didn't lose the timeout, and essentially got a free uh, free stoppage of play. Um, to draw up another play, and um, they ended up having another huge play later um, to Osborne for the first down and took the timeout there. Um, did you guys notice that or think that was a little bit odd that they didn't have to waste the timeout or the uh, runoff? Yeah, we were 
freaking out about that too. We, there was a lot of yelling going on, <laughs> a lot of yelling throughout all four quarters. And there should have been a 10-second runoff or that should have been used as a timeout. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was not the only bad call by the refs in the uh, the fourth quarter. Um, additionally, Hendon Hooker runs out to his left and gains, you know, four or five, six yards and stays in bounds. Great play. And the refs, yeah, great play. It reminded me of Tyrod at, uh, at Clemson in 07. But, uh Great play. He stays in bounds. The clock should keep running, and the clock stops. Oh, I didn't know that. And we're yeah, we're like, what the heck's going on? Like, did Miami call a timeout? Like, what's going on? No, the the refs just stopped the clock, thinking he must have grazed the uh, the sideline, but he didn't. He stayed in bounds, and that was clearly another questionable in call. Yeah, clearly stayed in bounds. Like, you know, had had a foot of insurance there. Uh, not a great showing by the uh, ACC refs there. Then the then the Miami fans on Twitter after the game have the audacity to get on there and look, man, Virginia Tech had the refs in their pockets the entire game. It's like, are you on crack? Like, <laughs> it, it was a poorly officiated game both ways. The Miami fans caught, I caught them twice, given double birds uh, to to oh, man. when they scored that first touchdown on the hail mary. They had a guy giving the uh, giving the bird like. I don't know to like, who they were down by like twenty one points, and then you had the Miami 28, 28 to seven dude doing double birds, and you're like, bro, what check are you the doing? Scoreboard, like, look at the score of this game yeah, right now. The guy with the, uh, the he, he was rocking the Miami Law t shirt. <laughs> the Miami oh, Law t shirt guy was like, he must have been chirping at one of our players because him and his boy were like over there uh, yelling at somebody. I don't know if they were bird in their own team that's not, that's an interesting uh interesting uh strategy there uh, but yeah but, but, sorry, don't put that pa- don't put that past miami to be birding their own players who knows who knows yeah don't bottom put it line. past those fans man let's just bottom line it now miami's got some strange folks in the stands yes they do 110 percent. 110 percent. and then um obviously they go down on the 10-yard line after, uh, I think it was an illegal hands to the face, and get oh, one try. That was brutal. It was brutal. Get one try, doesn't win. We win the game. ESPN cuts away because, you know, obviously you have to show the Tennessee-Georgia game because that's a, you know, highly anticipated close game matchup there. And um, we don't – we missed the last play of the game. Literally, I, I'm on Twitter racking the timeline. I'm like, yo – bitter bro like i need i need an update here like um, i got i turned on his tweet notifications i'm like i'm like this would be devastating and so our kind of luck to lose this game on a game that got cut away from a broadcast i mean again just another wildly unprofessional situation for that espn had on their airwaves i mean pat you must have been freaking out yeah like we (laughs) We all wanted to celebrate because we were just like, all right, you know, did we win? We're, we were waiting for a flag to come out. We were waiting for them to get one second back, like uh, like the Iron Ball, Iron Ball, the kick six game when Saban wanted that one second. Because you mm-hmm. see Manny holding up the one, and you're just like, oh, no, oh, no. And you see Fuente walk in the midfield, and you're like, all right, they're shaking hands. This one, this one must be over. And... Um, they cut over to the other game, but uh, my buddy Ryan Hartman shows us the ESPN game cast, and he's like, now look, one second. It says there's one second left. And 
we kind of we kind of brushed it off. We were just like, no, nah, like we won. They they were walking to the center of the field. And then sure enough, like three minutes later, like a whole three minutes go by, they cut back over. Oh, by the way, if you were <laughs> tuned into the Virginia Tech Miami broadcast, they ran one more play and uh, Miami didn't win. So uh, yeah, good win for the Hokies. <laughs> just like you've got to be kidding me. They showed they showed the last play, a replay of it, like a, a four second replay of it, and then cut back to the game that they were showing. Um, like you got to be kidding me. Like we we expect more from you here at ESPN. Be better. Please be better. Be better. Um, fellas, before we get into game balls and everything, I just got to say, I, I was extremely happy for for these kids. And a lot of people were saying, well, you know, we should have won the game by 45. We should have done this. We should have done that. Coaches should have done this. Coaches should have done that. Here's what it comes down to. And here's the one big thing that I walked away from this game with. This team had gotten poo-pooed on by everybody. Uh, coaches wonder, were under a huge amount of, uh, of scrutiny. You're playing a new quarterback on the road, 14.5-point underdogs. Um, you're getting joked on, on on game day. And these kids came out. These kids competed. And um, it to me, it really shows their, um, their resiliency and their dedication to the program. Came out. They backed Coach Fuente. They backed Hendon Hooker. It was awesome. And also, at the end of the day, winning in this fashion is just another kind of um, another kind of experience for them to be in a close game and pull it out. They were hit with unbelievable adversity from a team that has a lot more senior leadership. Those three linebackers are going to go down in Miami history. They've been with the program forever. DJ Dallas is unbelievable. He's been there for a long time. So to come out there and, and really com- show how good you can be in the first half and see it through all the way up into the end really, uh, to me, was, was, was huge for this program and the development of these young players. Pat, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, this was an away game in a stadium that, you know, can be troublesome. Especially when you're pumping line, noise in. Pumping noise in. Uh, it started raining at the end. You know, we lost there in 20, uh, 2017. I don't think we won there. Yeah, we lost there in 2015, too. So we hadn't won in a while. The fact that we got better this week from last week. You know, we we went back. We changed some things, implemented some new schemes. Um, Tisdale was absolutely just beasting everywhere. Hendon played great. Uh, and then you you know you pan to the locker room at the end of the game. They're they're spraying water. They're jumping up and down. They're dancing, awesome. they're having a great time. So Coach awesome. Foo's got his head uh, his hat turned around backwards, like jumping <laughs> down with the gang. This was awesome. Like this is a that you know I might be speaking too soon here. I might be putting the cart before the horse. But you know this could be a turning point type game. Um, Rhode Island next week. Should be a win. I don't want to count those chickens before the hatch, but um, mm. that this Carolina game on the nineteenth could be very big, and <laughs> we might have a full stadium. Who knows? We'll see. Let's let's take care of business against Rhode Island first. I, but um, you know, being two and two, we we beat Carolina. We're two and two, and you're two and two in the coastal at any point of the season. You have a shot to play in Charlotte the first weekend of December. Agreed. I think it was great, man. I think we bounced back as as well as we could have after the uh, after the Duke game last week. We looked like a completely different team. Like Pat said, new plays, new schemes, new quarterback. 
Uh, it, it was just very uh, new energy. Every it was just very very refreshing. It it did not feel at all like we were watching the same team that we watched last Friday. I think you both would agree with that. And it it was you know it was a little scary there in, in the second half. It was horrifying. It was horrifying because had we lost yesterday, we would we would be singing a very different tune. But the guys did not quit. They played till the very end of the game. That is all you can ever ask for. They did not quit. They gave themselves a great amount of cushion by getting all those by getting twenty eight points in the first half, and they they won the football game <laughs> in Miami. So you have to give them credit, whether or not you're still coming for Fuente's head, whether or not you know, you know screw screw Cornelson. We won. Mm-hmm. We won the game. It felt very weird. I'm not gonna lie. It's still like, guys, it doesn't feel real. I still feel like we lost. Like in my, not like we lost, but it, something's telling me, like Grayson, you're living this lie right now. But we beat Miami in Miami, and it's dope. And like I said, got to keep this, got to keep this train rolling, 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 rolling down the line. Rhode Island, UNC, bring it. Like, let's go. Uh, and like Pat said, man, I'm coming home for the UNC game. I would love Lane Stadium to be full for that. I would love that. I'd love that, you know, like a nice little 3.30 kickoff. We come in there and kick their ass because it's my birthday, baby. Let's get it. <laughs> hopefully hopefully you can keep your phone. Fo- we'll, we'll, we'll Velcro your phone to your, uh, to your ankle or something. We'll make sure that we, we take great care of that. Um, no and- pools in Blacksburg, baby. <laughs> not this time of year. <laughs> not open. Not open in October. That's so, right. not, not, not this time of year. So we got a couple new segments here to wrap it up. Um, just some uh, weekly things that we'll be doing uh, before we get into that. Just have to address this. Uh, we all hit on the uh, Trayvon Hill. Um, um, <laughs> not parlay. Uh, Trayvon Hill uh, prop bet finished with exactly one sack. Three tackles and one quarterback hurry. Call a spade a spade. Had a really good game. Uh, definitely had some impact plays there. Didn't love the fake injury uh, with ten twenty three in the second quarter when he was running off and uh, they couldn't get somebody back on. So not sure. If we shades that. of shades of Labor Day twenty eighteen. Shades of yeah, Labor Day twenty eighteen. Right. But Bill, no. It, you know what? It's fine. We all do it. But the fact that it was him was just a little bit annoying. But you know, it is what it is. Um, so just to, just on that, here we go. First one, game balls. Pat, who's getting them? Okay, I know I've I've said this guy's name like nine times already, but Alan Tisdale was all over the place yesterday. He's a six three linebacker. He can move. He can shed blocks. Uh, he was making some awesome tackles. He was in the backfield, and also he broke up the pass. Um, that was the the play that wasn't shown to the entire uh, the entire nation that was looking to see that last play. Um, he had he swatted down the pass, won us the game. Um, <laughs> additionally, I think um, you got to give one to Hendon Hooker. The man showed out in his first start. He is one and zero as a starter, and that one win is at Miami of all ACC foes. I mean, he earned his stripes yesterday. Guy's gonna go down in history. Love Hendon Hooker. So those are uh, those are the two game balls I'm giving out uh, for offense and defense. Grayson, 
for me on defense, man, I gotta give it give it to Rook Ashby. That kid does not get enough credit. Leading he tackler all the over team. the field, dude. He yeah, he's the leading tackler on the team. He doesn't. He's like Cody Grimm, man. Like like literally, he makes me think of Cody Grimm. He's not huge. He's stocky, and he just he doesn't miss. He does not miss tackles on a defense that has had a lot of problems with that recently. And he was everywhere yesterday. So shout out Rook Ashby. And then on the offense, man, uh, since since Pat gave one to Hendon Hooker, I got to get me, dude, Dalton Keene. Are you kidding me? Three touchdowns? Man, I mean, Dalton Keene is back, y'all. We didn't see a whole lot of him in the first four games, but that man is back, back on his bullshit. So I'm stoked about that. Game ball on offense goes to Dalton Keene. 100%. Here's where I'm going here. I'm going to raise you the entire T-unit unit. The entire tight end, uh, tight end unit was awesome. Tie that in with Coach Sheepist, who's been doing a very good job on special teams. The punt unit has been excellent. Um, been doing a really good job there. Uh, and also, the defensive line. I mean, getting an incredible push. Um, causing pressure all day. Um, I, I literally laughed out loud when Miami faked uh, faked a handoff to no running back, and then you just uh, you had I, I forget who it was if it was Garbutt or somebody chased them down, but they did an unbelievable job creating uh, creating pressure all game. Yeah, um, they were great, really making a difference. So I got to give that to we'll go defensive line, Oscar Bradburn, and uh, the T unit room, including Coach Shebas for doing a great job on special teams. So um, there we go. And then another one that we have here, a little bit of a working title here. It's called Turkey Legs, uh, Gobbler Nuggets a little bit. Don't love that. Don't love that. And Hokey Twitter uh, Tweets of the Day. So, um, Pat, you took the uh, turnover chain in the beginning. Why don't you give us the turnover chain stat that we found out today? Here's a great stat for you. So uh, the turnover chain busted out onto the scene in 2017, and this is when – everyone was really, really, really starting to talk about Miami being officially back. Um, again. Again. <laughs> they brought out the turnover chain. They were forcing turnovers, you know, two, three, four, five a game. It was crazy. And honestly, it was pretty cool. It was cool back in 2017. It's not cool anymore. And you know who really didn't make it cool yesterday? The Virginia Tech defense. So um, this stat from VLO Hokey saw her tweet yesterday this was the first time at home that miami had not broken out the turnover chain since its inception in 2017 so huge show out by our offense uh to you know protect the ball got to give a lot of credit to hendon hooker uh, a lot of credit to the backs to you know just being safe with that ball but yeah that was pretty awesome to see two more two more little uh little nuggets here for you have to shout out at Beth K Barnes. The Virginia Tech Hokies are one and zero since the uh, since the release of the Bud Foster onesie uh, bathing suit. So uh, we'll make sure to. I'm sure if you have Twitter, you've seen it. But if not, we'll put it in the uh, in the post podcast thread. But we are one and zero. Keep uh, keep rocking the bathing suit. Great luck that that has brought. Quote of the game. Dalton Keene on blocking Trayvon Hill. Quote, I knew it was going he was going to play hard, but if I hit him hard enough, he's not gonna want it anymore. Uh awesome freaking 
quote, Grayson, give me your nugget. Nugget. Uh, I, I think uh, another another good one uh, is the fact the resiliency of one Alan Tisdale uh, yakking on the field and just proceeding to play like refs didn't come out onto the field and stop anything. I mean, dude literally pukes his guts out. Yes. Ball snaps and he's like, right, let's go get it. How about how about the how about the situational awareness too, not to puke on his D line? He angled it perfectly right behind the D line. There was that that I mean the trajectory of that vomit Flawless. like Straight Gatorade, man. It was yellow Gatorade, Gatorade, I think, too. I mean, he did. I mean, yeah. dude, dude breaks up the you last love, play of the game. Yeah, love the situa- situational awareness there. He figured out. You know, I'm not going to throw up on my guys. Yep. Speaking of situational awareness, maybe Alan Tisdale can start calling football games from the booth and replace these uh, unaware, socially unaware guys uh, from ESPN. But uh, yeah, huge football guy. Uh, play or uh, football guy of the week right there, Alan Tisdale. Game ball, baby. There you go. All right, letters from the lunch pail. Great title, Pat. Excellent job there. First question. Uh, Ryan, that's that's my roommate Ryan Hartman with the uh, letters from the lunch pail idea. These are our uh, our hokey mailbag questions that uh, we're happy to answer for you. Hartman, we got to get this. Uh, we got to get your bass guitar so uh, Pat can stop attacking me for the uh, playout music. So. Yeah. Um, need some. Uh, the Sons of Saturday are calling for some more help here. Garrett Lemlin asks multiple questions here. First one, I'll let you guys take uh, the Tisdale versus Dax Hollyfield question. Um, you guys want to weigh in on that? Grayson, go ahead, man. I know Dax is your guy. Yeah, man. Honestly, it's. Uh, I'll keep it short and sweet. Whoever's making the most tackles is who I want on the field. Uh, and, and yesterday, Alan Tisdale was the guy. Uh, I still, I still love Dax Hollifield. Still think he's a dog. I think he's down on his confidence right now. Uh, um, from what I understand, he's also lost a little bit of weight since last year. I don't know if that's affecting his play at all. Um, but I think that that that's a good two-headed monster. And honestly, at the end of the day, who, whoever is is making the most tackles and wrapping up. Either or, doesn't matter. Completely agree. Then, uh, and this is a little, got a couple questions in the question, which I love. Does this win actually change Fuente's hot seat at all? Uh, I'll throw in my 10 cents here. Look, like I said earlier, what this proved to me is the kids have Coach Fuente's back. You can read all of the tweets from the kids after the game. Um, we love the team. We love our coach. We stand by our coach. And, you know, and at the end of the day, a big part of, Leading a football team is the team responding and the team uh, playing hard. And uh, I didn't think they quit in the Duke game, and I certainly think that uh, they have a they have found a quarterback who runs the offense that we're looking to run much more effectively. And uh, I think that's absolutely huge. Um, do y'all have any takes on that? Yeah. So um, I think with a new quarterback, the uh, the hot seat gets turned off a little bit. Not turned off, but turned down. I should say, maybe, maybe if it was on a six or a seven, now it's on like a, a five. <laughs> um, we still have a, a long way to go, and every single game, I think the entire coaching staff 
or most of the coaching staff should be coaching like, you know, their jobs on the line. Um, I think this definitely helps Fuente's cause because we used Hooker the right way and the defense is forcing a lot of turnovers. But uh, a lot remains to be seen. We still have a long way to go, a lot of football to be played. I agree with that wholeheartedly. I mean, I think people are going to be coming for his head all season. It doesn't matter how many games we win because there's always going to be people, <laughs> no, just every fan base has that. Like, if I went fired yesterday, it's like, okay, I, I was on that train last week after Duke. I was like, dude, this isn't working. I don't know what the heck's going on. Now it's like, okay, was he just using the wrong guy? And now it seems that uh, uh, that that was the case. How this affects us going forward? Will we be the same team next week? Will we be the same team two weeks from now? Don't know. And I think that's where that's why you got to finish out this season, not get ahead of yourself, and let things play out. Uh, I don't think you can be too sure about one or the other. I agree. And then here uh, to. To cap off these questions here, can we resurrect this season? Um, I mean, I'm not going to say no. This is like the Chris Paul question. Will we be playing in Los Angeles in a few weeks? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with yes. I mean, again, we're 2-2 two and two in the ACC. Um, nobody knows what's going to happen week to week here. We're going to get a good look at UVA next week when they play uh, Miami. That'll be a huge game as well. Um, so I think we're pretty much all on the same page there. And do you think these guys want to play for Hendon and didn't want to for Willis? I don't know if they didn't want to play for Willis, but you could definitely tell a, a, a turnaround in the energy um, and the uh, just kind of team togetherness um, from there. And again, I think it goes to being able to fit the system and just the young guys, some new blood in there. Uh, Pat, what do you think? Yeah, I think I think we can turn the season around. I do. You're talking the the eternal optimist. That is me. Um, yeah, we we go to Rhode Island. That's a win. Carolina could be a coin flip. Um, we get a rest before Notre Dame, and who knows? Maybe we can surprise them. I mean, when you're running an offense with a mobile quarterback, you add such a new element to your game and uh, such a different uh, way for the defense to prepare. I think it was a huge advantage for us that uh, Miami didn't have any film on Hendon, um, but this definitely puts a lot more wind in my sail, and I'm sure that the uh, the team has a lot more wind in their sails as well. As well, uh, as far as like, does the team want to play for Hooker more than they want to play for Willis? I'm gonna go with yes. Um, I I listened to Tisdale's post game interview with uh, with Mike and Lays. They were talking about, you know, tell me about your guy Hooker. You know, what what were your thoughts on him? And Tisdale's like, you know, Hendon's like my big brother. He's my roommate. I love him. I support him. You know, he did a great job today. I think the locker room might be more behind Hooker. Um, and this is just hearsay, but um, actually it's not hearsay because I saw it on Snapchat. But Willis was at Sharky's on Saturday after getting blown out in our worst home loss in you know 40 years 45 years um jalen hurts when he wins on saturday on sunday he's in the weight room or he's running he's practicing routes with his receivers and i know hendon hooker is not going to sharkies on saturday uh that's all i'm gonna say 
So I, I think the team is behind Hooker, and I'm really excited to see you know where he's taken them. Um, it it should be a great uh, great mid season or a great October. You know, I I, I think. Some people may be like, "Oh, damn! Like shots fired with the with the Willis that Sharkies thing." I, I don't think I, I don't think that's uh, entirely fair. Like, I'm with you on that 100, percent Pat. Man, like if if you you're going to the bar after after your your worst loss in a long, long time, what does that say to the rest of your team? It's like you're how invested are you? So I I, I definitely I'll keep this short, but yesterday. It just, the team looked so fired up. And as a quarterback, you're a leader. And the offense was fired up. The defense was fired up. And ultimately, it's like playing for a coach. You want to play for a coach who's going to help you win. And you want to play for a quarterback that is going to help you win. And Hendon Hooker showed that he can help this team win yesterday um yeah no i mean again i don't like i don't like trashing any anybody but there's definitely something to be said about um you know worst loss in however long and 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 being seen out not just only being seen out but being seen out and being um able to be taking pictures of and everything i mean it's uh it's an ugly situation. It's not what you want to see, and I'm not trying to tell anybody how to handle uh, post games or handle anything else. But I, I can definitely tell you that a lot of people would probably look at that in uh, a way that is not favorable and not what you want to see out of a winning out of your leader. So I uh, definitely think that uh, that factors in uh, to that 110. percent So uh, th- I guess we'll say this: the eye in the sky. Pat Finn is always watching. Snapchat is always watching. The internet does not close after 12 and is open uh, as long as Sharky's in um, every other place is open. So keep that in mind. Uh, even if you do want to go out, someone's <laughs> probably going to take a picture of it and it's not going to look great. So uh, keep yeah. that in mind. I think, uh, yeah, and just to go off that, I know uh, Beta Mode, Brendan Hill, had a long uh, you know, Twitter thread about... Um, players handling their image and their likeness mm-hmm. around these campuses and on social media like you, know, you, you just got to have more situational awareness honestly you Look, can't I mean, be it's not that hard like i, I really I, and i don't mean to interrupt you i mean it's really not that hard like I, I i the way i look at everything and the way i look at how people go at people on twitter or post something on twitter or if you're liking you know profanic stuff or or you know <laughs> You see these kids, some people are liking porn on their Twitter. And it's like, dude, what is best case scenario here for for this action? And I'm not speaking about Virginia Tech kids. I'm speaking about college kids in general, especially ones that everybody's looking at their stuff. I mean, just just be smart. Like, you know, you think of doing this this stuff or sending this tweet. Like, what is the best possible thing that can happen if I do X? And what is the worst possible thing I can that can happen if I do X? And if, if, if it's drastically different, then... How about just not do it? How about write it on your, in your journal and tuck it under your pillow? I mean, it's really, it's really not that hard. Yeah. So. Yep. 
Anyway, um, no, last question from Garrett here is uh, why do we try to sit on leads instead of pouring it on? Look, I mean, at the end of the day, you gotta, you, you're going to have a very different play calling uh, idea when you're up 28 versus when you're in a, in, a, in a close ball game. And I think everybody understands that. And um, after rewatching the game, we actually threw the ball in the second play coming out at halftime. We had a little rollout play. Uh, I think it ended at, I think, I can't remember what exactly it was. It might have been the overthrow to Hazleton on that first drive as well. But I think we came out not super uh, conservative, but we also weren't being ultra aggressive. Um, so that's what we were. Uh, that's what we were looking on. Uh, we'll run through these really quick here. Hokey fan seven seven eight. Check out UVA. What is the most important ACC game left on the schedule? I'm going to go with uh, the next one, UNC. I don't mean to. Um, I love ta- that. I, I love that answer. I don't mean to be touting <laughs> the company line here, but I mean you got to go one or no. The most important game that we have next is Rhode Island. The most important ACC game we have coming up is North Carolina. And uh, just to quickly wrap that up, there, uh, North Carolina is a good football team. And there's a lot of talent on that football team, and it's going to be homecoming. It's going to be it's going to be loud. Grayson's going to be in town, so um, we gotta we we gotta we gotta show up, guys. What do you think? I say Virginia, just because that game means so much. Um, you know, to, to, before yesterday, it said take out UVA. It said take out UVA, Pat. Oh, oh, reading stuff. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go back and say uh, Carolina. That's a big one. Yeah, the next one, for sure. Oof, I'm going to see myself out. No, no, you're good, man. I, I had a brain fart earlier in this thing. It's all good. It's, it's what we do. But, uh, you know, I, I got to go either Carolina or Wake Forest. Wake Forest is no joke this year. It's a good team. Yeah. Up to 19 they, right now in the AP. Yep. They're, they're no joke, and uh, – for, for whatever reason, I don't really know what they got going on down there. They're just kicking asses here, but uh, we need to we need to take them very very seriously. One hundred and ten percent on a scale of zero to ten, rate the badassness level of the Tisdale upchuck in the end zone. I mean, eleven, ten. There were so many badass moments in this game. The, <laughs> Thirty-four. The, the, <laughs> Thirty-four. The uh, twenty-five. The the just everything that was going on. I mean, there were so many badass moments. The punt where everybody was uh, ganged up in the uh, the punt. The non-targeting call was friggin' awesome. Uh, the bow celebration by the tight ends was freaking awesome. Oh, the bow! There Dalton was Keen taken out Trayvon Hill most of the game. That was huge. Maybe got away with a little bit of a hold, but you know what? Still loved it. Loved it 110. percent uh, and do we think the play calling fits the scheme with Hooker? A hundred and a hundred and fifteen percent. I think that you know, there's not a question sure. there. Um, no doubt. Sam underscore TKP. Are we okay with the limited passing game if it means less turnovers for this offense? Absolutely. Um, I also think that Hooker is going to be much improved next week in the passing game. Uh, what I liked that I saw out of him in his first uh, in his first start was he didn't have happy feet and he stuck in the pocket. He really only left the pocket when he had to. It wasn't one of those situations where he goes one read and then tucks it and runs. He tucked it and run when he ran when he needed to and stood in there and uh, and went through his progression. Now, did he miss a couple of receivers? Yes, but uh, I think that the passing game is something that's going to come along rather than. Um, rather than stay the way that it was. What do you guys think? Go ahead, Gray. I think that uh, Hooker, I don't want to call beginner's luck because I think he's a stud, but uh, I think he'll, he'll have some adjustments to, to, 
to work on as as the season progresses, if he still is the starter, and he totally should be. But um, that's not to say that he won't throw an interception or two. I mean, that's that's just the unfortunate nature of being a quarterback is, and one that doesn't throw that much is you're gonna you're gonna probably throw an interception or two, and there's a learning curve to it. You know, this is his team now more or less, because it doesn't look like they're going to be starting Willis next week. I don't know. Who knows? But uh, if this is Hooker's team now going forward, I think that they will try and put the ball in the air more to make him more comfortable. And they should. They totally should. But but fans shouldn't expect him to be Tom Brady tomorrow. 110%. Uh, Pat, you said that uh, you were excited about answering this one. What do you got? Yeah. So you're thrown into your first collegiate start on the road in a conference game at Miami. Miami is no picnic. That defense is no picnic. That's probably the best front seven he's going to face all year. Uh, that's probably the most athletic de- athletic defense, maybe aside from Notre Dame, that he's going to face Dame. all yeah. year. And the fact that he took care of the football, made some great reads, made some smart plays, uh, I'm, I'm really excited to see – what he does next, I think he's only going to get better. And um, you know, you, you look back to the Duke game in his limited snaps, you can't get a rhythm going if you're only throwing the ball twice in one game. You know, we haven't seen much of him because he hasn't had the opportunity to get you know 20 passes under his belt. So yeah, let's go, Hendon. I'm ready to see it. Let's see uh, what his stats are and how he can impress us again next week uh, against Rhode Island. We mentioned this already. I'm just going to tie it back in to add to your synopsis on everything that Hendon was dealing with. Also didn't have the number one receiver. Trey Turner was not available yeah. um, and and just made it shake. So also, by the way, Damon Hazleton averages 50 yards per catch. It could have been around 75 if we hit him on the, uh, on the go route, but an incredible statistic there. Um, last question here from the real D. Cunna. Uh, there were bright spots and rough patches tonight, correct. Do you think the Hokies can keep this momentum from this game going into future weeks, and how long will the momentum last? That's the first part of the question. I'm going to answer this by saying, as I mentioned earlier, I think more than anything, more than a momentum builder, this is a character builder. Again, young players, young offensive line, starting two true freshmen. I mean, people are not realizing that you're starting two true freshmen. You have the fewest amount of seniors on the FBS roster. This is a character and chemistry building game. You hang it, you, you lay it all out, come through at the end, find a way to win. Officials put another second on the clock, you still find a way to win. Unbelievable resiliency, gusto. Tweeted it before the game. Uh, three words, gusto and, and togetherness and uh, just resiliency, and we showed all of that there and showed how talented we can be and explosive we can be in the first half. Fellas, you have uh, anything to add on to that, Pat? Yeah, turnovers spark offense, and we took advantage of that. Don't have much more to say. I know we've covered a lot today, but um, I was just excited to see the DBU return. Caleb Farley, Jermaine Waller, uh, Shamari Connor. Reggie Floyd had some nice plays here and there. You know, our secondary was flying all over the place. And uh, I'm happy that, you know, even if it's for just a week that uh, we're forcing turnovers, we got seven sacks and Bud Foster's defense is making a lot of moves. I do think that um, just watching the late third and fourth quarter, we kind of went away from bringing more, uh, bringing more heat 
on the quarterback, three-man rush. And Belmar and Garbutt uh, and company were doing a great job at the three-man rush. But, um, you know, we got to apply pressure because we're giving these guys too much time to throw. You know, you're an ACC receiver. You're going to find someone open if you, you ha- if you have five, six, seven seconds to make, it, make a uh, decision. Gray. Honestly, man, I think uh, going forward, if we, as long as we're playing like we played yesterday, that momentum can carry us into the freaking stratosphere. And uh, that, yesterday's team looks like a team that can compete with UVA and give UVA problems. I can't believe I can't believe those words just came that. out of your mouth. <laughs> yeah, but you're not wrong. Yeah. I mean. I mean, I mean, I can't, I can't believe I'm saying that because a week ago, I would have, I would have been caught dead in the streets of Los Angeles saying that. I mean, it's, it's crazy if we can ride this wave. And now, granted, the wave being a, a team that is consistent and a team that plays like this from here on out, then Cunningham, dude. We we could still be a problem. We could turn this this boat around. Do I think we'll have a couple more hiccups? Probably. I I don't I don't know. I uh, I don't have the ability to time travel, but based on history and history repeating itself, I could see us having another bump or two in the road. We shall see. We shall see, fellas. Anybody uh, else got closing thoughts? Closing thoughts. I'm a lot happier now than I was four days ago. Yes. Reviewing the Duke game. So true. I love that we're playing a FCS opponent on Saturday. Uh, I'm sure some guys are going to get some rest. And um, I know Deshaun Crawford uh, was a little banged up, so we can give him some rest. But um, I'm, I'm more excited. I'm excited again. I don't know. I didn't think I was going to be saying this uh, around – you know, 5 p.m. Friday. But, yeah, let's go. Bring it on. Let's take down the the uh, the Coastal here. Greg? Honestly, uh, as, long as, as long as we keep playing this way, man, don't, don't tease me, Hokies. Like, don't play with my emotions like this. Yes, it still feels like a dream. Still feel, I'm just – and I think any – diehard Virginia Tech Hokie fan or just college football fan in general, man, when your team wins, you are so much happier. Like, your your week is just better. You got, we're we're going to all go into the office tomorrow and just – I'm going to be giddy with freaking excitement. Just like, hell yeah, baby. Hokies beat Miami. TF is up, y'all. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a mood, dude. You just feel great. I am so – my my phone's busted, and I'm I'm still I, I ain't shook because Virginia Tech won. <laughs> there you go, <laughs> fellas. Uh, there you go. I, I'll cl- I'll close it with this. Um, obviously, super fired up about this game, but I wanted to just say thank you to everybody that's tuning in. Um, this last week had uh, had an incredible audience incredible um interactions and just people writing in with their questions tuning in wanting to talk about virginia tech and uh we love doing this all three of us it's a blast it's the it's one of the highlights of my weeks love talking tech and i love that um y'all are tuning in and being a part of it and uh let's keep this rolling man this is a lot this is a lot more fun than getting on here and uh and talking about um you know everything we're upset about so obviously in a much better (laughs) mood when uh when tech figures it out and 
Um, let's all show up to the game next week and let's all show up to the game on homecoming and keep this thing rolling. Stick with these kids, stick with these coaches, um, and let's see what we can do. All right, you said it best. Go Hokies. Go Hokies. Go Hokies. Go Hokies. Go Hokies.